I, one time I forgot to bless the food when someone asked me to pray <laughs> for the meal and they're like, you didn't bless the food. <laughs> Is the body of Christ entering my Panera bread? No, actually, Julius said something while he was preaching one time, the, the guy that goes to my church, and it stuck with me. He's like, if you ever leave the house without praying, and if you ever like do something without praying, you're telling God for that event, I don't need you. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I was like, I never thought of it that way. So now, like, before I go anywhere, like, I'll intentionally pray. And it, that's what it did for me, and it worked, you know. So it was like, it was a good wake-up call. Yeah, if anything, it helps you pray more yeah. often. Yeah. Exactly. Did you say cool. Julius said something? Julius. His name is oh, Julius. Julius. Like Orange yeah. Julius? Yeah. This is episode what? <laughs> episode 67. Can you believe that? Episode 607. Jeez. Episode 67. We've done 607 episodes at this point. So I figured, you know, what other way to celebrate 67 episodes except to you know bring a new segment really for one and what, only one what's special episode. about 67 though nothing hey. i just felt like doing this so stop bursting my bubble <laughs> and it's like you know hold on guys two hours later all right so what better way to celebrate 67 episodes but to bring a segment for one and only one episode you know, so yeah. Name this sound. You what ready is, for this? this? Preschool. <laughs> it's just rain. Is it rain? You're naming it. I'm not naming it. Okay. Are you naming it? Is it a turtle tank? It does sound like some sort of filter or something. Yeah. Water filter, coffee, yeah, that or like a sink with a small, like where you barely turn it on, you know. I hope none of you guys have to use the bathroom because this particular video is ten hours long. (laughs) So this for sixty-seven for episode sixty-seven, we will have a ten-hour episode. Is it coffee pouring into a pot? That's what I, I said. Coffee. Did you? How you doing? That was a good guess, bro. Is that what it was? A perfect segue into making an announcement that we have yet to be made. We have coffee. Oh. oh. So in case you've been living under a rock, over the break between season four and this amazing season... <laughs> Whatever comes we teamed up <laughs> with Coronado Coffee to bring you the new, delicious, flavorful, delectable East Coast blend. Oh. Double clap! Double claps! I I was thinking about. It. I'm like, we've never told anyone. We haven't. And this is like the fourth, third or fourth episode into the season. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And it's a huge deal. That is a huge deal. You know? Yeah. We are producing coffee via right now. some other people <laughs> yeah. that we love. We do love them. Yep. And we love their coffee. Yep. East Coast Blend is actually one of my favorites in the whole world. Yeah. yeah I do like it. 
Yeah, it's good. I'd Even, be completely content if it was the only coffee I've ever drank. Although if you read the bag at first, it's like graham cracker, fruit prunch. Fruit prunch? Fruit prunch? <laughs> I love fruit prunch. <laughs> but it's good. It tastes good. I love graham crackers. Do you? In my fruit prunch. I really do. And fruit prunch. <laughs> I love well. graham crackers in my fruit prunch. <laughs> <laughs> to crunch on that prunch. Yeah. I hear you. Anyway, yeah, I'm so surprised that you guessed the coffee. I... Okay, sorry. It doesn't matter. I said coffee. Oh, you <laughs> said it first. Yeah. You know what? In Mark's mind, he said it first. Okay. So Okay, well, I can roll the tape back, you know. <laughs> you know, and I think you should. Sure. Something, yeah. Water filter. Coffee. Water filter. Coffee. We have expectations that every episode now you're going you're gonna to write and produce a song. <laughs> no, but I'm... I'm know, you know, I started doing that for Romans, and I'm like... I'm out of ideas. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, I don't think Dwayne gave you much to work with. That's okay. To be honest. But, but I do think you should prove yourself right. Right now. <laughs> now, now, now. And show me that you won. Mark's getting married in three weeks. <laughs> oh, yeah. Is it three or is it two now? Look at you. If you are wrong... I'm going to tell Alyssa. Uh, it is three weeks. I'm going to tell Shmelissa. <laughs> I'm going to order the suit today. Rhymes so please don't tell me that it's two weeks. Three weeks. All right. I have time. You didn't get the suit, man? No. Yeah. Can they you still, believe this guy? Do they still sell it? But in my defense, at least when mine comes in, I'm going to look at it. Oh, he's look throwing shots. I have the suit in my closet and I haven't tried it on yet. Oh, but what if it doesn't fit? I've had it fit. for a long time. It, it's my size. <laughs> I said, I hope it's purple. He's yet to look at it. If it's purple, I'll just get a blue pen and I'll just scribble all over it. <coughs> and then it'll be a blue suit. That sounds okay. amazing. And I can't wait for you to do it. Yeah. I can't wait. I hope it's red. But in my defense, I've had the suit for weeks. But the pants were wrong for a uh, couple weeks. But I got them fixed. And in my so defense, you have seen them. I saw the last pants. <laughs> I saw I've seen both I've seen them I see that they're correct I just haven't sized them and if anything I got a dry cleaner guy that I can walk to from here hmm. that can make it work you know? you know at least you have a suit that you can fix that is true so as of right now Nick's gonna be wearing one of those t-shirts that has like a tuxedo on the <laughs> <Yeah>. front <laughs> no, I'm ordering it today but before we get there I do have a question for you guys do you like cats? Yeah. Recently, I've learned to like cats. Oh, yeah. You're going to have a new cat house, right? A cat house? <laughs> yeah. Like, that's what they call them. <laughs> that's oh. what they call them when you have a house that's against dogs and it's just filled with cats. You're going to have a kitty den? You're going to have a new cat house? <laughs> We're getting one cat. <laughs> uh, Mark's it a always kitty starts den. there, bro. Yeah. Well, the apartment doesn't allow more than one. Well, that's what they think. Yeah. Until you get one, and that one turns into 65. Oh. 67. 67. <laughs> 67. It's a special uh, number. You just got number. it. 67 episodes. Yeah, 67, and 67 kitty cats. Kitty cats. <laughs> Which leads me to meow. Bible dingers ding or no ding. 
What's up, everybody? I'm Nick. I'm here with Ryan and Mark. And we are Bible Dingers. And if you haven't noticed, which I wouldn't expect you to, but we start each and every episode with Ding or No Ding, where I come up with a news headline and Mark and Ryan have to decide whether it is ding, real, or no ding. No Fake. real. No real. Elderly woman trains her 65 cats. <laughs> To steal for her. Oh, <laughs> you, you haven't seen a cat lady? Mm-hmm. Yes, but not like like a Corella Deville of cats. Mm. I don't know. This is like an Aladdin and Abu situation where he goes and he gets the bread. Yeah, or the well, honeydew. Like these cats were apparently trained to like you know she would let them loose and then they would come back with all sorts of things like dead birds. <laughs> they steal dead birds, like jewelry, <laughs> and trash, hairballs, food. Elderly <laughs> uh, woman accused of training her sixty-five cats to steal for her. <laughs> Sixty. I'm sorry, just picturing that you can't even walk in her home. There's yeah. just cats. <laughs> it's way too many cats. Don't make me laugh, bro. Is it called catnapping? Oh, I like it. I have my answer. Yeah, Do me you? too. Oh, yeah, have, me too. Do you have your answer? Yeah. <laughs> tooting or not tooting? That is the question. So let me fix it real quick. What is the answer? <laughs> Who wrote this? <laughs> <laughs> no ding. No ding? Mark says no ding. I was going to say ding, but for... Uh, sake of consistency, I'll also say no ding. I think she had 67 cats. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. But it's not. Oh, yeah, baby. Oh, yeah. But. But. It went viral. And it was one of those Facebook news stories uh-huh. that everyone swore it was true. The bonkers story says cats stole 650,000 <laughs> worth of stuff from 5,000 houses. 65,000? $650,000 worth of stuff from 5,000 houses. So each cat got $100,000 worth of stuff. <laughs> that's, 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 what this, uh, that's what this article was saying. $100,000 of dead birds. <laughs> I don't know. That's I mean, bonkers. I got to gloss over that <laughs> word, too. The bonkers story. <laughs> Bible dingers. Yeah, I hit the gym, just opened up again. Reza, he loaded me up with two plates. Then I went home, baby, she made me a meal. She loaded me up with two plates. You are listening to Bible Dingers podcast. Yeah, go get me new plates. I just bought a crib, had to move out of New York. I'm really enjoying the space. Jump on a stick, pray that I don't gotta use it, but I got it just in case. All right, all right. As Nick swallows his drink, I am going to welcome you to the podcast. And today we are going over the book of Two Cores, otherwise known as Second Corinthians, otherwise known as Dos Corinthianos, if you're a little spicy. Dos Corinthianos. Yeah. Did you know? I've been watching too much Breaking Bad. Corinthians is a soccer team in Brazil. 
Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah? Shouts out Corinthians. Corinthians sounds like a place that would be in Breaking Bad. Okay, so back to Second Corinthians. So we are going to start off with the title of the book. Oh, hold on. We have a soundbite for that, don't we? Where are the turtles? Where are they? That has nothing to do with authors, Mark. Okay. Where are the turtles? Which turtle sounds like title. So that is why we put that there. <laughs> that's it. Yep. That's pretty much it. <laughs> okay. So there has to be a better reason, though. No, there's not. Nope. Nope. The turtles hide. In their shell. Nope. Similar to titles. And titles shell the book. So this is the second canonical. You know what they say? A book with a bad title doesn't shell. (laughs) (laughs) They all say that. Yeah, they. You've ever heard that before? Yeah, they. So this is the second canonical letter. And I say canonical because there was more letters, but we'll get into that. That was written to the church in the city of Corinth. Besides the letters written to Timothy and Titus and Philemon or Philemon, depending on who you are, all of Paul's letters are titled after the city in which the church he's writing to is located. Bruh. Now it is time for... Who wrote this? The author of the book. So, Paul's authorship of 2 Corinthians is widely uncontested. The book is highly personal and biographical, with Paul proclaiming to be the author from beginning to end. Are you lying to me? No. There is essentially no debate over this one. So, one of the few books of the Bible where there is not much to date. Next is time for When Wrote This? The date we got to think of something because it's in, we have this for every episode and we don't have a soundbite for it. Yeah, that's true. Maybe this guy. When yo, wrote this? Yo yo yo! When was this written? Let <laughs> me read it again. Yo yo yo! When this was written? <laughs> okay, the date of authorship. So. There are a few letters. There's a few letters and visits between Paul and Corinth that come into play. And we talked about it a little bit in 1 Corinthians, but I wanted to explain it a little deeper in this episode because this is sort of uh, the last of the letters to Corinthians that we really know about. (laughs) You're right over there, Nick? Okay. Uh, We are morning potters for sure. Um, Okay. So let's talk about these letters and trips. So Paul first visited Corinth on his second missionary journey, which occurred in 51 AD. This is when he set up the Corinthian church. You're so distracting right now. His whole body's contorting. It is. (laughs) (laughs) Bro. Oh, my gosh. You'll knock over the table. (laughs) So... Like I was saying, Paul first visited Corinth on his second missionary journey around 51 AD. This is when he set up the Corinthian church with a couple called Priscilla and Aquila. Um, he then concluded his second missionary journey in Caesarea, in the Caesarean section, you know what I mean, in early 52 AD. And that's according to Acts 18.18. 18. 
So he then went on his third missionary journey, which started in Ephesus, where he stayed for two and a half to three years, around late 52 AD. We see this in Acts 19, 8 through 10. Paul wrote 1 Corinthians towards the end of his stay there, around early 55 AD. We see that in 1 Corinthians 16, 8. So after he wrote 1 Corinthians, and this is where you got to, this is where we start to understand the context of 2 Corinthians. After he wrote 1 Corinthians, he sent Timothy to Corinth, who told him about the issues the Corinthian church was having with false teachers. Mm. So people were coming in and trying to discredit Paul's teaching, uh, and we learned that in 2 Corinthians eleven thirteen. And because of this, he immediately went to Corinth in what he calls a, quote, painful visit, which he mentions in 2 Corinthians 2, 1. Because he saw this visit to Corinth as unsuccessful, the church wasn't loyal to him, and he was even openly insulted while he was there. He then returned to Ephesus and wrote to them what's called the, quote, severe letter. This is a letter which came between 1st and 2nd Corinthians, which we do not have. Paul sent Titus to deliver this letter to them. Then he later left Ephesus to meet with Titus to hear about how the Corinthian church responded to the severe letter. Mm. Titus told Paul that most of the Corinthians repented. Uh, we see that in 2 Corinthians 7.7. 7. It's at this point where Paul writes 2 Corinthians in order to celebrate their repentance and to correct the remaining people who were still holding on to the teaching of the false teachers. So this places the writing of 2 Corinthians around late 55 AD to possibly early 56 AD. And it gives you a little bit of the context of why he was writing as well. Hey, you know, this is not completely arbitrary to this book either. Mm -hmm. This seems to be like a constant for Paul. Yeah. Going out to these different churches and correcting false teachings. Yeah. And, and coming down hard on them and, and like trying to wake them up. Yeah, we, we see it in the next episode too. Yep, we saw it on the one before that. Yep. So it's like, this is what Paul does. Yeah, corrects false teaching. Yeah. Uh, next up is the historical context. We went over most of the historical context for this city in the First Corinthians episode. To hear more details, go ahead and make sure you listen to that episode first, and then listen to this one. Essentially, though, the city of Corinth was the sin capital of the old world. Basically, the bi the biblical Vegas, mm. so like modern day Sin City, so to speak. Oh yeah. What happens in Corinth stays, stays in, in Corinth. Corinth. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So like, what was it? Corinthi. Corinthianos. Corinthianos was like a word, like to a fornicate. derogatory yeah. word, right? Yeah, it meant you were like a fornicator. You were like a dirty dog. Yeah. Now modern day, they're Vegatagos. Vegatazos. Yeah. yeah. Everyone says that. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's going viral. Well, really only the cool people know about it. Yeah. Like this. <laughs> yeah. Just like this. Yeah. Only cool people would know that this particular sound is going viral yeah. right now. Right now. Yeah. It's two years might be. ago. It's pretty niche. <laughs> it's pretty niche. We're, we're late to the party, though, because yeah. it technically started... When we were on break. Yeah. And also kind of because we're in our like 20s and going into 30s and stuff. Yeah. So you're saying that like people that are 14, 15 have been saying sheesh the last like 
at he least is? week or two. Okay. At least. Got it. We're just now getting there. Sheesh, man. So like fidget spinners. Yeah. Poppy things. Yeah. Have you seen the, those around? Fidget spinners no. are still cool, right? No. Right. But they, they've been replaced <laughs> with the poppy things. <laughs> the poppy things? Yeah. Oh, popcorn? Those things that are everywhere at every mall, at every gas station. I don't go to malls. At every place. Even 7-Eleven, they're selling them. Is that a thing you turn like, over and put it on the table and it like jumps? I've never seen it jump, but it's like, you know, like like literally you could just take your finger and press the buttons in on one way, flip it around and press it the other way. Oh, my kids have one of those. Yeah. They got it from the dentist. Everyone is handing these Everyone's got out. my kid's dentist octopus? No. <laughs> your dentist is probably late to the game. Oh, okay. Because the mall has been on top of that for months. Oh, interesting. And these things are completely useless and they're like $10. People love pushing poppies, bro. Well, you know, yeah. some people need the fidget stuff. Yeah. It's good for them mm. to push the poppies. You know, but not us. We're like, above we got to create something. <laughs> the dinger fidget. Anyway, in regards to the historical context, all other contextual details were really given in the last section in order to set up for the case for the date of authorship. So Ryan covered most of it. But Paul was rejoicing and correcting because they were Judaizers who were telling the church that they needed to reject Paul's teaching and conform to the Mosaic law and the Pharisaic rules. So that's pretty much what's going on for this letter. Next up is the purpose of the book. And as we mentioned several times already, Paul's primary purpose when writing was to combat what? False teachings, false mm -hmm. teachers who were teaching something that we know of as legalism. And in case that's the first time you've ever heard it, I heard that term. Legalism is that your works will save you. Your works is what will bring you salvation. So a lot of these false religions teach that you need to do X, Y, Z to get saved in order to, let's say, light candles or follow rules or do whatever. We know as Bible readers that that's not what scripture teaches. We are saved by faith, by grace alone. Mm -hmm. But there is a larger purpose here, and it's to make the gospel crystal clear. And it's that's nothing new to Paul. Paul's intention on almost every letter he writes, especially Romans, um, how he opened up this season, is to make the gospel crystal clear. And this letter tells us exactly what the gospel is and what it's not. And we know that it's not a list of rules that, you know, that have to be followed in order to be saved, according to Paul. Hmm. It's the glorious good news, the glorious message of Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. Amen. Anyway, next up is everyone's favorite part of the show. It's my not favorite really. part. Fun facts. Second Corinthians has one of the clearest verses in the whole Bible describing the gospel and substitutionary atonement. In chapter 5, verse 21, it says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Arker. I love that verse. Yeah, same Z's. You put it all over my house. Yeah. 
Mm. Next up is all of Paul's letters are a bit discontinuous, but none as much as Second Corinthians. The circumstances surrounding the writing probably caused this. There was a lot of emotion behind this letter. And Paul loved the Corinthian church dearly. And is it's a very human letter. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, it's really emotional letter. And that's the discontinuity. A lot. He's kind of like jumping from topic to topic. And I think it's because, you know, when he was writing this letter, it was very like... Every, like on his mind, you know, yeah. even though the Holy Spirit was guiding his writing, it's there's also a human involvement. And so I think just the emotions of the situation was really guiding what he was writing about. And he was like, this and then this and then this. Yeah. And this, you know? And something to keep in mind, like it wasn't like separated the way we see. It's like yeah, it's one, one continuous letter. letter. Yep. Yeah. So it's like, can you imagine? We're kind of seeing it as a book here. And it's really not. Paul wrote a book as a letter. Imagine me in the church getting this letter and reading it for the first time. How emotional it would have been reading it for the first time, knowing that it's directed towards you. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. All right. So it's outline time. Let's go ahead and jump into the outline of the book. There are four sections of second corinthians first section is uh just a short introduction it's only the first 11 verses of the book and this basically just starts with paul greeting the church and then there's a small section of where paul is giving thanksgiving for comfort in the middle of afflictions so the thanksgiving for comfort starts in verse 3 and it goes to seven. And basically, this is where he talks about how when we share in Christ's suffering, we will also share in comfort. So there is suffering that will come in this life, but we will also share in comfort similar to Christ. And then he gives a quick thanksgiving for deliverance in verses 8 through 11. And he's this is, you see Paul being severely emotional at this point. Well, I I don't, I don't want to say that in like a derogatory term. I'm I'm trying to say he's he's really human in this moment. Yeah. In verses eight through eleven, and he says in these verses that he was so burdened while he was in Asia. It it's it says Asia in the Bible, but what that means at that time was what we call the country of Turkey, the Roman uh, Empire, called what the country of turkey asia it wasn't talking about eastern asia like china and japan you know whatever that's not what paul was talking about he's talking about turkey Hmm. anyways he was so burdened while he was in asia that he despaired of life itself but god delivered him so really human moment from paul which really like brings alive the next episode for me where paul says bear one another bear one another's burdens yeah we see that he bears one another's burdens almost in every letter we cover. Yeah. And Romans, he was eager to see them. Mm-hmm. He had that on him. Now he's eager again. Yeah. Really, Paul is teaching us through his life, not even, maybe it's intentional, but I think it's just by him being himself, mm-hmm. how important it is to bear one another's burdens and feel for other Christians. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, so that's the first part of Second Corinthians, or the first section, I should say. It's it's mostly Thanksgiving, uh, 
for what's going on. Then the next part is what we talked about is him sort of answering any insinuations about his sincerity and commitment to the Corinthians and to the ministry. Um, so he's in this section is from chapter one to chapter seven. And we see here that he's sort of giving a defense for his position. Um, and it starts in verse one or sorry, chapter one, verse 12, and it goes into chapter two, verse four. And this is where he sort of talks about how he postponed his trip to Corinth. Uh, he didn't visit because of the pain between himself and the church due to this severe letter that we talked about that he wrote to the church. He said the timing wasn't right, uh, so he postponed the trip, and he addressed that here in in these verses in chapter 1. And then he also talked about how the offender, the person who basically received the severe letter, should now be treated in the church. So he was dealt with severely, and now the church was instructed to forgive him and reaffirm their love for him after he was dealt with. So that should be a lesson to us, right? Uh, we should be bold and deal with sin. And then after it's dealt with, we should forgive and love. You know, mm-hmm. A lot of applicable moments in this letter, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Okay, so the, met, the next major mection Ooh. is Ooh. chapter 3 to 6. And this is sort of um, Paul talking about his ministry. And it starts in chapter 3, verses 1 through 11, where Paul talks about the superiority of Christian ministry versus Mosaic ministry. And basically, he talks about here how the law condemns and causes trust in oneself while the Spirit glorifies. He says, law is on stone, Spirit is in heart. So, law condemns. Spirit glorifies. Mm -hmm. And then he says that he has the spirit and now proclaims the gospel boldly, um, simply because he has the spirit. And then he mentions uh, in the middle of chapter four into the middle of chapter five that while we're on earth, we are going to groan and waste away, but in heaven we will be made new. And this kind of circles back to the emotions that he's feeling behind what he was going through in Turkey and what was going on with the Corinthian church. He's sort of rejoicing with them that they're going through sufferings now, but in heaven they will be made new and they Mm. will suffer no more. And then lastly in this section is the life of a minister of Christ from from chapter 5 to chapter 6, And basically, it says that if you're going to be a minister of Christ, that you are going to be a servant of Christ and an ambassador for Christ, and you will be enduring all things for him. So basically, uh, you you don't get to put yourself first if you're a minister of Christ. You're going to be going through... Suffering, but you are called to be a servant and an ambassador for Christ. All right, the next section is chapter 6 and 7. And this is sort of the appeal for the Corinthians' confidence to be restored in Paul. And he basically gives them an appeal and says that a lot of you Corinthians have had a closed heart towards me, and he's asking them to have a change of heart. And we know because of the context that a lot of them have a hard heart towards him because 
of the Judaizers and false teachers that are coming into the church and basically talking mess about Paul and saying he doesn't know what he's talking about. He's teaching a false gospel. And then he mentions the encouraging response that he received from Titus at the end of chapter 7 when Titus came back from handing off the severe letter. And Paul mentioned that there was conviction and repentance. And because of this, Paul now again desires to visit them um, because he he's rejoicing in this moment. He sees that the severe letter did well. There's repentance and turning away from the false teaching. And so now he desires to visit them once again. Mm-hmm. So that's it. That is the first two main sections of the book. Nikki, you want to take the last two sections of two cores? Absolutely. Go As for we it. move into chapter eight into nine, we have these instructions concerning the collection for the poor saints. Um, unfortunately, I you know I like to glance over some parts and like pull applicable moments and encourage people to read, but it's really hard to glance over the section without kind of covering it a little bit. Mm-hmm. So we'll spend time on on the first part, and that's the example of the Macedonians in chapter eight for the first seven verses. So there was a collection that took place among the Gentile churches, and that was to assist the poor Jewish Christians of Judea. These Christians had been hit hard by famine and different things going on during the reign of Emperor Claudius. If that name sounds familiar to you, that's because we mentioned him in the episode about the Book of Romans as well. If that name sounds familiar to you, it's because I have a cousin named Claudius. (laughs) Yeah, I love Claudius. (laughs) So the Gentile church at Antioch, which is Syria, had responded quickly by sending relief by the hand of Barnabas and Saul, who we know as Paul. Mm. And Paul had contacted the Macedonian churches, and they had begged him for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And he was now using the example of their generosity in chapter 8 to stimulate the Corinthians to carry out what they had earlier shown themselves ready to do. Um, Just as he had used the examples of the Corinthians' readiness to motivate the Macedonians. Ding moment. I'm so confused. Anyway, yeah, so for chapter 8, he's using the example of the Macedonians to motivate other people to do more. Mm. Um, And then we see the supreme motive for giving in chapter 8, verses 8 through 15. We must never forget that it is only by Jesus' poverty that we may become rich, not in a materialistic sense, like Jesus was completely poor or whatever. He may have been, but that's not the point. But it was Christ lowering himself that brought us an opportunity to become children of God. So having cited the examples of Christ's self-giving love, now Paul is urging those who are giving in the context to show the genuineness of their love and to be self-giving and to act fast. Because the sale ends soon. The sale ends soon. <laughs> Buy now. <clears throat> sale ends soon. Yeah. <laughs> soons. The sale ends soon. Act fast. Act fast. Yep. For free 99, you can sell your entire life for Christ. Oh. Okay. Sell your possessions and give them to the pool. How you doing? Yeah. Give but, it all up. But act fast. Act fast. Do it now. But acts was fast. The sale ends now. But act and fast. (laughs) Soons. Soons. And we continue to move through chapter 8 in verses 16 through 24. 
Here, Paul commends the three brothers who are to come to Corinth to administer the collection. So it's Titus, and we have two other brothers. Next up, the benefits of generous giving in chapter 9, verses 16 through 15. Basically, 16 through 15. Just verses 6 through 15. There you go. Basically, God loves a cheerful giver. Don't give under compulsion, but give what is in your heart. Yeah, but you got to read those two verses backwards. You got to start at 16 and then go back to 15. <laughs> That's the only way it makes sense. Yeah. Read 16 first and then work oh, your way back. Next up is part four of the outline, and that's appeals concerning Paul's apostolic authority. We see that in chapter 10 all the way through to chapter 13. All right, so basically in chapter 10, there are replies to charges made against Paul. And in the sections of chapter 10, uh, verses 1 through 18, Paul appeals to the Corinthians. When he comes on his third visit, he will not need to take action against those who question the validity of his apostleship. He says that in verses 1 and 2. He denies charges that he acts in a worldly fashion, and he assures his readers that he conducts his ministry with the weapons of divine power. We can read that in verses 3 and 5. Yeah, so pretty much these are all replies. Reply to the charge of cowardice, reply to the charge of weakness, reply to the charge of intrusion. These are all chapter 10, verses uh, verse 1 through 18. These are just all replies of Paul defending himself. And, and Paul's opponents boast, but they are intruders who create problems in churches he planted. So Paul's aim is to plant churches in areas where Christ has never been preached. But you have these false teachers here trying to prevent the gospel in places where it's already been established. So they're trying to ruin the work that Paul is doing by accusing him of nonsense. So he's producing these replies to really really defend his work and defend his faith and defend his way of living for the glory of God. Hmm. And then we see claims made by Paul in chapter 11 and 12. In these claims, Paul boasts like a fool. And that's, that's literally, if you read other commentaries, that's what it says, 2 Corinthians 11, 16. <laughs> Uh, through chapter 12 and 10, um, is sometimes that section is sometimes called the full speech. Oh, yeah? This is new to me. I didn't realize this. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, it's sometimes called the full speech. And we can't really, we don't have much time to get into fool and meaning and this and that and the third. But it piques your interest. Look into it. Look into whatever commentary you have. Um, obviously, a trusted theologian and see what they say about this section. Um, but the, um, in chapter 11, verses 1 through 6, we see Paul's reason for making these claims. And then we see freedom to minister without charge in chapter 11, verses 7 through 15. Basically, he preached the gospel freely. And then we see Paul's service and sufferings in chapter 11, verses 16 through 33. And as a way of defending himself against a negative comparison with opponents in Corinth, Paul communicates a list of his hardships in ministry in this section of chapter 11. Hmm. And then we see special revelations Paul received in chapter 12, the first 10 verses there. And he continues boasting because his opponents boast in their spiritual experiences as well as in their ethnic identity. Now Paul is being forced to boast, however foolishly, that's why it's called um, the full speech, in his own visions and revelations. 
And then we see him uh, talk about his supernatural miracles and paternal love in chapter 12, uh, beginning in verse 11 through 18. And this is not necessarily like a sinful thing that we're displaying. He's kind of just matching his opponent. Mm. He's delivering what he knows works because they're boasting about all this falseness. He's forced to boast kind of like a fool because he has no choice in all the things that he has done. Interesting. I see, you know, you do see that in some cases, like where you, you are sort of required to talk about your accomplishments and how good you are. Like at, at your job once a year when you have like the raised review. The review, or whatever. whatever, yeah. I always feel awkward during that time because it's like, well, I'm awesome and look at how great I am. You know, and you I, feel weird because you're like, if I sell myself too much, I come across as like as a jerk, as a jerk. But, but then, if I sell myself short, they don't know what they I don't did. Understand? Yeah. So I guess I can see how he was sort of forced to do to it, to foolishly yeah. do it, yeah, to match their foolishness. Right. I can see that. It's like, hey, I can see that. You're accusing me of this. You're going to divide the church, and uh, a place where I've already established the gospel, and you're making the person who got this all together look like a fool. Mm-hmm. I'm now going to respond like a fool yeah. and I'm going to make myself known that all of these things, all of these accusations, they're all false. Interesting. It reminds me of those Proverbs. It says, don't answer a fool according to his folly. Mm-hmm. And then it says, do answer a fool according to his folly. Yeah, yeah, yeah there right. you go. Yeah. There you go. That's a good point. That's actually a really good point. Yeah. Um, then uh, in chapter 12 and 13 into verse 10, we see exhortations in view of Paul's approaching visit basically urging them to examine themselves and to test themselves before his arrival. But we'll get into that in a little bit. We're going to talk more about that. But first off, we'll talk about Paul's concerns in chapter 12, verses 19 through 21. He's basically worried that if he comes, he won't like what he finds, and they won't like his response. He's afraid to find quarreling, jealousy, anger, slander, gossip, and all this stuff happening. He's, he's literally concerned about that stuff before he gets there. So we see Paul's warnings in chapter 13. As we mentioned above, Paul wants them to examine and test themselves before he gets there. He doesn't want to demonstrate his authority when he arrives. Like, oh, look at me. I'm a big shot and I'm here to judge you. He doesn't want that. Um, But we cannot oppose the truth, but we must always stand for the truth. Mm. So we are glad to seem weak if it helps show that you are actually strong. You know, if, if if this is what Paul is doing, he he doesn't mind showing himself as a fool right now, or seeing seeming weak. If in the end, it works to show his strength in Christ, mm-hmm. his, his you know, um, you know, and he's saying, "I'm writing this to you before I come, hoping that I won't need to deal severely with you when I do come, for I want to use the authority the Lord has given to me to strengthen you, and not tear you down." Hmm. So he, he wants to be hard on them because he's worried, he's concerned about the realities of what they're doing, but at the same time, he's giving them a heads up and saying, hey, I really don't want to come down on you when I get there, yeah. so make sure you get yourselves together. Yeah. Then we see the conclusion in chapter 13, 11 through 14, the exhortation in chapter 13, 11 and 12, basically he's saying rejoice, aim for restoration, and live in peace. And then the salutation in chapter 13 Verse 13, and he stresses to have unity in the church, something that Paul has always stressed. This is nothing new. A lot of these ideas that we're discussing, like I've mentioned before, it's something that we have literally learned in every letter that Paul has written, unity within the church. 
And then uh, an interesting part about the salutation is that it mentions a holy kiss. And a holy kiss was a practice. Let me hear that. Ooh, I like that. A holy kiss was a practice unique to the early church that signified their acceptance as a family. We kiss, bro. <laughs> Ooh, that was holy. What What's the difference between a regular kiss and a holy kiss? Hold on, let me show you. Ah, that's a good one. <laughs> so basically when he says, you know, seal it with a holy kiss, he's he's just meaning... Seal the deal, baby. Be a united family. There you go. Then we have the benediction at the end of chapter 13, which is verse 14. And it says, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And I end this episode saying the same thing. Oh. How are you doing? The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Ding on. That was like incredible. That? that was incredible. Do you like that? I like it. Well, all jokes aside, that was our episode <laughs> on Second Corinthians. Yes. If you guys like what you hear, uh, we have we're all over everything. You know what I mean? <laughs> everything. <laughs> Couches, T-shirts. We're on the socials. We're on the tubes. We're on the Apple Podcasts and Spotify's. Uh, the easiest way to get links to all of this is to go to BibleDingers.com because we have everything listed on our homepage and tabs for everything, blog posts, videos, all that jazz. Um, on top of that, uh, if you guys really like what you're listening to, this is 100% patron-supported content. Uh, we don't have any ads or sponsors at this point. Throwing that clause there. Uh, but you know, in a couple of years, there might be an ad on this episode. So for sure, I don't, want, I don't know. Well, not for sure. But. This episode is brought to you <laughs> by Walgreens.com. <laughs> if you aren't happy with your pharmaceutical company, Wait. say no more, fam. <laughs> <laughs> We're here not to make your wall blue. Oh. But to make your wall green. Wow. Art thou feeling it now, Mr. Kratz? Filled so, with extra money in your pocket so that you can put it on your wall. Yeah. Wall greens. So, yeah. So, we're 100% Patreon supported right now. So, if you like what you hear, go to patreon.com and support us. We got extra stuff on there for all our patrons. We got behind the scenes stuff. We got Bible studies. You're being, You're going to be in a instagram and a discord chat and uh you can come visit us if you want that's what some of our patients do you know what we're i mean gonna meet some of them at g3 and we're going to be meeting some of them whenever the trip takes place that had to be canceled after the storm oh the trip the severe trip yeah that, that someone was planning to come visit us one of our patrons that's how close we get with you guys but because of the unfortunate storm he had to cancel the trip ida ida Anyway, yeah, like Ryan said, if you do like what you hear, but you don't have the money to give, we have no problem with that. Just get a second job, and then you will have the money to give. Exactly. Mm -hmm. No. All jokes aside, though, we do offer uh, a lot of the stuff that we do at no additional charge whatsoever. And you can find most of our content on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you could search us at Bible Dingers across the board. And while you're there... Just give me that.
like Stone Pass and Don't scroll. pass and scroll. Make sure you hit subscribe, hit follow, hit like, and most importantly, ding on. Bible Dingers. Bible Dingers.